The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series created by Mercedes Lackey and Steve Libby, presenting Book Two, The Hunt. A Hard Rain is Gonna Fall, Part Two, written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin, read by Veronica Jaguer. To say CCCP had welcomed Bella's help was simplifying the situation. Red Savior seemed to have a certain amount of respect for her, possibly because Bella stood right up to her, but Red Savior was not going to admit that CCCP needed help from anyone. Not even from Moscow, let alone Nekulturny capitalistic calendar model. Sovi, Soviet, the CCCP's official doctor-in-residence, had only been too happy to have her and welcomed her with open arms and an amazingly generous nature. CCCP had opened a free clinic along with their soup kitchen, both of which were understaffed, and even if Bella had not been a healer, she still would have been a translator and an extra pair of hands. As it was, she was working from the time she hit their door to the time she walked out of it. Even now, in this deluge of a rainstorm, she was setting up first aid kits at all the doors and jump bags too, because if an emergency came up you might not have the time to run up the stairs to the third floor infirmary. She was right beside the front door, double-checking on the contents of both, when the hammering started. After practically jumping out of her skin, her main reaction was of annoyance. What idiot would be out there in this weather? The locals all knew to come to the free clinic entrance around the side. Surely it wasn't another snoop from City Hall, not after Savior had run off the last one with a crowbar. Keep your shirt on! she shouted, irritated as the pounding continued. With a curse, she began wrestling with the half-dozen door locks, some of which seemed to date from the time of the Caesars. Finally, she got the last of them unlocked and hauled the heavy door open, wincing as it scraped the concrete floor. The light from behind her poured out over the man, half kneeling, half falling at her feet. She didn't need the red-stained rain pooling about him to tell her he was hurt, and hurt badly. Her own senses screamed it. Shocked, she dropped to her knees beside him, pulling his clutching hand from the wound in his side, and felt her energies being sucked away from her into that terrible injury. Sophie! she bellowed, knowing that he was near death just by the way her power was pouring into him, and that if he could be saved, whoever he was, no way she could do it alone. But then something made her look up, tear her eyes away from her patient. Just in time to see the fire-wreathed figure touching lightly down in the street, wings of flame outstretched on either side of her, just in time to feel the touch on her own mind, and fire exploded behind her eyes. It was like turning on a water fountain to get a drink and having a fire hose open up in your face. If she'd had any thoughts, they were completely washed away in the flood of what the angel was. There was only this that was at all coherent. Heal him. Save him and managing to isolate and grasp a tiny, tiny thread of energy, tinier in relation to what she was, though easily a hundred times the strength of what Bella and Sovi combined could do, she did just that. The angel nodded as Bella mended the tiny capillaries, knitted up muscle, stopped the bleeding, kick-started the man's own body into replacing the lost blood at an accelerated pace. She felt the heartbeat falter a moment, then skipped two beats, got ready to kick-start that as well, but then it resumed beating on its own, steady and strong. It is well. 
the overwhelming presence left her mind. The angel arrowed upwards and was gone into the dark of the night. Bella was left alone in the rain, kneeling over the previously dying man, wondering what the hell had hit her. Flynn, said Soviet behind her. Who is this? No, never minding. We must get him upstairs. Who and what and why and how can be? Wait. And it was her turn to bellow, this time for the CCCP's all-purpose workhorse, Chug, as Bella tried to catch her breath. And then came another touch on her mind. We must talk, you and I. When John Murdoch woke up, he panicked initially. He didn't feel any real pain, which wasn't a good sign. After what had happened to him, not feeling pain probably meant that he was dead, or close enough. He could sense that he was still breathing, and could hear someone else's heartbeat and the other little noises of life nearby. With Herculean effort, he cracked his eyes open. He was looking at the ceiling, an old-fashioned embossed tin ceiling that probably dated to the turn of the previous century. Someone had slapped a fresh coat of thick institutional green paint on it. Some other wag had mounted a poster in the middle of it, of a Herculean woman holding a Soviet banner. He didn't recognize her. She had bobbed hair, but it was shorter than the woman he'd seen on the television, and the costume was white, with a red star in the chest. You are waking? The soft, pleasant voice made him turn his head slightly to see the original subject of the picture on the poster coming to the side of the bed. She was stunningly beautiful, in the top-model beautiful way that most metahuman women were. But a kind expression in her blue eyes softened what could have been cold beauty. Her black hair was cut in the same bob as the woman on the poster, but she was wearing a doctor's smock, and there was a stethoscope around her neck. Upon seeing her, John groaned as if in pain. "'You're still being hurt?' the woman asked, frowning slightly. "'No, I just realized I'm in hell.' "'Stop?' Her frown turned to puzzlement. "'This has got to be hell. There ain't any pretty gals in heaven.' She stared at him for a long moment, then shook her head. If it is being Americansky funny, I'm not, how you say, getting it. With an effort, John propped himself up on his elbows. His wound didn't hurt, but he was still fatigued beyond belief. He imagined that between his own implants and the half-dozen ivies running into him, that he must be pretty well medicated at the moment. Don't worry about it. If I'm not in hell, where am I? Is being infirmary of headquarters of Super Sobrative Sovetsky Revoluzhnerov, the woman replied, holding her head up with a flash of pride in her eyes. So, looks like I stumbled to the right place. This is the CCCP's HQ. Da, is being what you call CCCP incorrectly. And why are you being fallen our doorstep, comrade? She arched an eyebrow, inviting a name and a reason for being there. I am being Dr. Yadviga Pavlova Tiganov, but I'm mostly being known by Kalstein Soviet. John regarded her coolly, sizing her up for a few long moments before speaking. Murdoch. John Murdoch, pleased to meet you. To answer your question, he looked down at his side, then back at her. 
I got into a bit of trouble. He tried to stand up then, and immediately regretted the decision. He swayed in place before the Russian woman studied him. As resilient as he was, his body just had not caught up with the damage that had been done to it yet. He had lost a lot of blood. It was a miracle that he was still alive and breathing. John extended his hand. Thanks, Yadviga. She didn't seem to notice his hand, so he dropped it quickly to his side. In fact, she pushed him rather insistently back down onto the bed. She was a lot stronger than she looked. It's not to be thanking me, Comrade Murdoch. It was Amerikansky Comrade Belladon is finding you, like, drowning on doorstep. Yadwiga's smile was rueful. She is leaving me very little to do. Sestra, is drowned cat ready for interrogation? The woman that stalked through the open door was one he recognized. This was Red Savior II, the redoubtable leader of the group, just as beautiful as Soviet, but with none of the softness. She looked down at John with her hands on her hips. So, comrade. Murdoch, Yadviga supplied. Murdoch, why is it you are here in my headquarters and not in decadent Amerikansky hospital eating popsicles? To be honest, I'm not sure why I stumbled over to y'all. I was pretty at it. Guess it has something to do with the sort of negative attention that stab wounds get from the cops at regular hospitals. Plus... I don't have the sort of cash to throw away in our hospital. He shrugged. I heard from some folk that I know that y'all ran a free clinic. Men that you were red, so y'all can't be completely bad. He is dressed like sturdy worker, Commissar, Soviet put in. Perhaps enemy of the people ambushed him. Bah. Before John or the doctor could stop her, she peeled off the gauze and peered at his wound. Enemy of the peoples are carrying katanas now. Did you not pay your sushi chef, John Murdoch? Tis a scratch. Like I said, I got in some trouble. These hands, they are laborers' hands, Yadviga added. Savior frowned fiercely. The tattoo on his hand was an Ouroboros, a snake swallowing its own tail. It was wrapped around the number 155 and done in bold black ink. This tattoo and these scars are yet what I see on common laborers, Sastra. And then she switched to Russian and continued her sentence, speaking urgently and with some apparent recognition of what John's scars might mean. The doctor kept shaking her head, causing Savior's frown to deepen. She glanced suspiciously at John, then tapped the tattoo. She switched to English. And that is being this. Yadviga tried to shush the commissar, but she stared at John, still expecting an answer. John looked down at his hand, and the symmetrical scars that covered most of his body before replying, deadpan. Birthmark. Ho, ho, Savior said flatly. It's being Amerikansky comedian. Isn't yet so funny, I am needing to know what has been dropped on my door. Yadviga is soft heart of us. I am iron fist. John shrugged. To be accurate, I didn't exactly force my way inside. Yes? And are you viper in fruit basket? Savior's eyes brightened with anger. I have obligation to protect the comrades, John Murdoch. I have seen scars like these before, and I'm yet to be lied to. He cannot leave Natalia, Soviet put firmly. And at the moment, he is near threat either. 
John allowed wisdom to prevail and kept silent. If they had examined him while he was out, they probably already knew that statement was false. Savior turned her attention back to him. Why here, Amerikansky? Are you here from CIA, FBI, NSA? Not exactly my sort of crowd anymore. I'm an anarchist. Nat! It was a new voice from the door, one somewhere between a soprano and a contralto, a speaking voice that promised it belonged to a singer. Chill. The hog farmers vouch for him. The young woman in the paramedic outfit that stood in the doorway was also, clearly, a metahuman. There just were not a lot of blue-skinned, blue-haired people around that weren't metas. Besides, I got a decent read on him. He's no threat. At Savior's skeptical glance, the young woman sighed. Come on, Nat. What can the CIA find out here that you wouldn't just tell them? Red Savior gave the newcomer a look that would have burned a lesser being where she stood. You scanned him. Da, I scanned him. The blue woman added something in Russian. Finally, Red Savior nodded. He can stay for now, but when he is healed... When I'm healed, I'm out of here. Scanned? What was the medic talking about? Unless... John got chills down his spine. Was she a telepath? Had she read his mind? Weren't there supposed to be protocols about that? Out of here. Maybe. We will see. Savior raked them both with her eyes, then shrugged and strode out. The blue medic nodded at Soviet. Get some rest, doll. I'll take over the infirmary for now. The Russian didn't protest, which might have demonstrated her level of weariness. She gave the blue medic an affectionate arm pat as she passed, and a moment later they were alone. John started to get up. He wasn't quite sure what he was going to do, but one thing for sure was that he didn't want to be two seconds more in a room with the kind of telepath that would read his mind as ruthless as this woman had implied that she had. He tried to get up, that is. This woman was also stronger than she looked. Or he was weaker than he thought. She gently but firmly shoved him back down on the bed and held him there. Since I just lied my ass off for you, buddy, the least you can do is glue your ass to this bed and heal, she said, more good humor showing in her eyes than appeared in her voice. I'm Bella. I am a telepath and an empath, and I did not scan you, or at least no more than I can help. But I needed to give Nat a reason to keep you here, and I don't think she would have accepted the one I got. John was having the feeling that events were rushing past him faster than he could keep up with them. All that he could think of to do... All that he could think of to do was to ask the question that occurred to him with her last sentence. And what would that reason be? That an angel told me to heal you, save you, keep you here, and keep you safe. The absolutely sober expression she wore made the words hit him like a gut punch. This Bella, she had seen the angel too, and talked to her, but if another person had seen her, did that make her real? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you're in trouble, laddie buck, the medic continued. The angel seemed to think you'd fit in fine with this motley crew here. Now, Nat and Sovi both reacted to those scars of yours as if they'd seen something like them. 
Add to that, you survived a gut stab that would have put John Q. Public out on a slab, that you've been keeping a profile so low you're looking up at ants' bellies, and that someone seriously wanted you out of the way. I can add two and two as well as anyone. Scars plus all the rest of it says implants to me, and that's his government program. The fact that you aren't running around with either Echo or some army goon squad tells me you've escaped them, and that you won't want to know them you're still around. He was ice cold inside. Even if she hadn't rent his mind, she was good. Smart. He was a no-shape killer and run. He didn't want to kill her anyway, and he couldn't run right now. So he just kept quiet. Here's my point, cowboy, she continued quietly. Someone absolutely extraordinary wants you alive, as well as whoever you were running from wanted you dead. And if I were to assess your situation, there is one thing that stands out. I don't think you can run and bury yourself again. So that means you have two choices. You can get friends and allies, or you can run and die like a lone wolf. A neck attorney running dog, as the parlance around here goes. She shrugged, but her eyes were compassionate and understanding. There would be worse people you could take up with than CCCP. They share a lot of points of philosophy with you if you are what you say you are, and they are extraordinarily loyal to their own. Now she took her hand away. So for right now, I'm going to leave you and let you think over that. I need to make a quick inventory of the supplies. He nodded although he got a sense that she was going to do more than that. And when she left him alone with his thoughts, he found himself turning what she had said over and over and finding very few flaws in it. And that was terrifying.